So I'll never forget the Jones Christmas of 1996. I knew exactly what I wanted for Christmas that year, and it was not a Red Ryder BB gun, which is from the movie A Christmas Story. I actually already had a Red Ryder BB gun, and I did not shoot my eye out, but I was shot by my older brother, Ben. I did shoot him first. <laughs> but in the Christmas of 1996, I wanted a GoPed. Do you remember GoPeds? For you folks who are too old or for you folks who are too young, um, GoPeds are kind of like those Razor scooters that you see kids, you know, scooting around with, except they have a motor. So you don't have to scoot, you don't have to pedal, you don't have to do anything. Not like a sucker, you'd be cruising around on your own little go-ped. Of course, when I asked my mother for Christmas that year that I wanted a go-ped, she said, no way. I was only 10 years old and I was too young to be operating a motorized vehicle. So Christmas morning came that year and my mom did something special. Uh, for our last Christmas gift, every kid in our family did a scavenger hunt that would lead to their final gift, which was always like the best gift. And I was the youngest of four, so uh, I would go not first, but last. My sister went first, and then my brother Jeremiah. I don't remember what they got for Christmas because I wasn't paying attention. But I'll never forget what my brother Ben got that year. As he came to the end of his scavenger hunt, he opened up his box, and inside was a go-ped. It was yellow and polished and beautiful. And I knew in that moment, based on the laws of kids, that I would be getting one as well. And so, I started my own scavenger hunt and I ran through the house with glee, my family following close behind me. And as I came to the end of my scavenger hunt, I found my box and I opened it up and it was filled with Legos. I remember looking back at my family confused. <laughs> this is kids law we're talking about, I'm supposed to get a go pet. But I remember looking at my brother Ben, who was holding his yellow go pet with a smile. I held back the tears in that moment because I knew you were always to be grateful on Christmas. And as I walked back into the living room, I found another go-ped laying there. This one for me, and it was red. Oh, the sweet, sweet joy I felt. Especially when my older brother Ben broke his go-ped that day. He drove it off into the dirt, and it actually was quite sad because it never ran again. Um, as my ran for years, it was great. <laughs> well, Christmas, friends, can be a time filled with sorrow or joy. For some Christians, it's the highlight of your year. Christmas is the time you look forward to most. I think of Rachel, who works in our office, who's been listening to Christmas music since July. It's weird. But for others, 
Christmas is the time that maybe you can't wait for it to be over. As John prayed, perhaps the holidays bring up old wounds, loved ones lost, difficult relationships. Or perhaps it's just an especially hard time to make ends meet. And of course, there's just the overall atmosphere in our culture today. It may feel like an especially hard time to celebrate with how dark things feel in our world. We just went through a pretty ugly campaign season that just won't go away. There seems to be an international catastrophe every week. And there's an overall sense of anxiety and unrest in the media. First Lady Michelle Obama has just come under criticism for saying, we're feeling right now what it's like to have any hope, to not have any hope. For some, maybe it feels that way. But that is all the more reason to celebrate Christmas. Because the truth, the truth, is that despair will not overcome. This morning, we lit the candle of joy, and we recognize that there may be sorrow in the present, but as the scriptures teach us, God brings a harvest of joy. Psalm 126 is among a collection of psalms called the Psalms of Ascent, named so because they were sung on the climb up to Jerusalem. Jerusalem rests on the top of a small mountain, so visitors would have to hike up into the city in order to get to the temple for worship. A hike before church is like my nightmare. (laughs) But I think Deward King would love it. So Jewish pilgrims would come from all over the land, visiting Jerusalem three times a year for the religious festivals, Passover, Booths, and weeks. The psalm begins, When Yahweh restored our fortunes, we were like those who dream. This psalm was actually composed after the return from exile, but still during a season of great trouble. And they write those words in the midst of disaster or drought, or war, or famine, and the people of God decide to look back at the good times. We were like those who dream. We laughed and we shouted with joy. Other nations once said, Yahweh has done great things for them. Before the coming of the Messiah, there were two significant events in Israel's history where God intervenes and rescues his people. There's the Exodus, and then there is return from exile. And scholars say that this psalm, Psalm 126, is actually looking back at those two moments in Israel's history. They look back for hope and strength in their current situation. Remember when God rescued us before? 
The people of God have a rich history of looking back at God's work for the purpose, for the sole purpose of remembering how dull and forgetful we can be. Why do we celebrate? Why celebrate Passover? Why celebrate Christmas? Why celebrate Easter? To remember what God has done and to remember what God can do. Why do we take communion? Jesus tells us, do this in remembrance of me. The old hymn goes, prone to wander and leave the God I love. We are also prone to forget, especially during the times when we need to remember what God can do. Times when it feels dark or dire. It's especially then that we still need to celebrate. We sing our songs We light our candles and we pray our prayers in order to remember what God has done. It's important for us not just to remember these grand acts of God's salvific works in history, but also to remember the smaller acts of God's deliverance in your own life journey. When have you seen God move in your life? When has God brought you through a hard time? Can you remember? A few years ago, Sarah and I were living in Kirkland, Washington. I was working for Northwest University at the time, and we were trying to figure out what we were going to do next with our lives. We were feeling a sense of unrest. I felt called to ordination and Sarah was feeling called to graduate school. Sarah's first choice was to attend SPU, but because of the price, we were unsure if we could make it work. Well, one day we were sitting in our Kirkland apartment, dreaming up ways for Sarah to attend SPU, and we came up with a somewhat elaborate plan. We figured out that if if somehow I could get a job at SPU, Sarah would get a discount. And if she got every single possible scholarship, then we could make this work without having to take out any loans. It was a good plan, but at the time, it felt impossible. A number of things would have to miraculously fall into place for this to work. It'd have to fall into place in a matter of months. And then for some reason, as Sarah and I were talking in our Kirkland apartment that afternoon, we started recounting all the times that God had done the impossible for us before. Difficult times God had brought us through. Prayers that God had answered. Sarah said, remember when we prayed and God brought us to Seattle. Remember when we prayed and God provided us with work. Remember when we prayed for that family member and God healed them. Remember. 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 God has done it before. When he brought us to SPU. And God did it again. 
when he brought us here. Do you remember what God has done for you? Remembering strengthens your faith and can be a source of profound joy. We were like those who dream. Yahweh has done great things for us. And then in the psalm comes the hopeful prayer, do it again, Yahweh. A request for help is made because help is needed. The people sing in faith, restore our fortunes like the watercourses of the Negeb. The Negeb is a desert in southern Israel. The word actually means to be dry or parched. And during extended seasons of drought, southern farmers would start to become a little anxious as they wait for the rain. How are you going to feed your kids? How are you going to keep your family alive? How are you going to keep from losing everything without rain when you're a farmer in the Jeb? After a long time of hopeful anticipation, the rains would finally come and bring life and flourishing. These rains would come out of nowhere all of a sudden like a flash flood and the desert landscape would be transformed into this beautiful greenery with flowers and flowing streams. The rainy season would replenish the wells of the Negeb and fill the river channels with water and hope for the farmer for his kids, for his family, for the people in the community. Restore our fortunes, Yahweh, like the water courses of the Negeb. This is a prayer for transformation. God's people call out asking God to transform the situation. What situation do you need, God? To transform in your life. The farmer in the psalm sows in tears. Tears. Hence the request for transformation. Israel knew something about sorrow. Slavery, exile, war, disease, famine, death, Israel has shed their fair share of tears. And scripture teaches us that throughout Israel's history, they cried out to God. They lamented and they wept. They understood that sorrow was a part of life. There is a time to laugh and a time to weep, we read in Ecclesiastes chapter 3. Times of sorrow will come. There's no avoiding that in life. God does not promise a life free from sorrow, but God does promise joy. And God does promise the defeat of sorrow. In John chapter 16, Jesus says, You will have sorrow now. But I will see you again, and your hearts will rejoice, and no one will take away from you 
your joy. Revelation 21, God promises a new age free of pain, weeping, and death. But if we are completely honest, there are some sorrows in life that do not have an answer. We don't always know why awful things happen. But we do know God is willing to step into that sorrow with us and for us. We may not understand the exact reason why we suffer or a loved one suffers, but we serve a God who's willing to suffer alongside us. And this God, well, he knows betrayal. He knows abuse, brokenness, abandonment, humiliation, suffering, and he even knows death. And he knows those things, by the way, for our sake. Jesus knows your sorrow, and he says, My name is Emmanuel, God with you. In Jesus, we find a brother who is willing to sit with us in our despair all the way until it turns into glory. And it will. Those who plant their seeds while weeping shall come home with shouts of joy carrying their sheaves. The tone in this prayer moves from a request to a promise. From what God's people will hope will happen to what will certainly happen. Those who plant while weeping shall come home with shouts of joy. And God's promises are as sure as day, friends. The, the promise we find is joy. Psalm 126 teaches us to pray looking backward at what God has done and also pray the same time looking forward at what God will do. At Christmas, we look back and we celebrate the birth of Christ. God's people prayed. They prayed in this psalm we just read. And God decides to do something more drastic than exodus or return from exile. God decides to handle these problems once and for all, and he puts on human flesh. And he comes to us. And he comes and he teaches us to love one another. He teaches us to forgive each other, work for peace and justice, care for the orphan and widow. And most of all, he who knew no sin became sin so that we could have a path to eternal joy. That's the God of the Bible. As we look back, we have reason to rejoice even when we don't feel like it. As the theologian Miroslav Volf has said, joy is more than a feeling. 
It's a way of looking at the world. Joy is seeing that God has overcome sin and death and God is bringing about something new and fresh and good. And we pray for God's coming kingdom as we look forward and we faithfully await his second coming and hold on to our hope in the resurrection. In God's future, there is joy for those who sow in tears. In God's future, there is joy for each and every one of you. In God's future, there is joy even, even in death. Thanks be to God. When it seems dark or hopeless, like it might now, like it could for you, there is always There is always a reason to rejoice. Because the truest thing we know about God is that God loves you. For that we can rejoice. For there is great joy in love. Rejoice for Yahweh has done great things for us. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, this Christmas season, we look back at your glorious acts of rescue in history. Exodus, return from exile, but most powerfully in Jesus Christ. We celebrate, Lord, his coming, and we thank you for it. We ask, God, that you, through this Christmas season would plant in our hearts the seeds of faith. Lord, we ask that you would restore our fortunes, that you would bring restoration to this world. And we pray it in faith, and we pray it in joy. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.
sky too. 